The text that Pastor John will be preaching from this morning is located in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-18. through 18. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore also we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all, compar- all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 16 expresses something that everybody in this room wants very much. It says, We do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. There's something where, there's something there that, that nobody wants, and there's something there that, that everybody wants. Nobody came into this room this morning saying, Well, I sure hope some of the songs we sing knock the heart out of me. I sure hope Pastor John says something that really discourages me. And there's not a person in this room that came in here wishing that. So when it says, we do not lose heart, that expresses the desire of every heart in this room. Nobody in here wants to lose heart. Nobody is on the edge of your seat saying, bless your hope he says something that helps me lose heart. That is a universal desire in this room right now. And So is the second one. Everybody wants the power to be renewed day by day. We all know that feelings of strength and newness and hope and vitality and courage and zest for life, these things last for a little while and then they tend to drain away. And the only way they can be sustained is by being renewed Life is not static. It is not unfluctuating. Not one of you will ever have a steady state, even-keeled life of maximum newness. Nobody. The Christian life is deplete, replenish. Deplete, replenish. Empty, fill. Empty, fill. 
diminish, renew, diminish, renew, expand, regain, expand, regain. That's the rhythm of the Christian life. And none of you wants to be left in one of those down times. None of you says, oh, I like it when it's all diminished. I like it when it's all gone. I like it when there's nothing left. Everybody wants replenishment, renewal, restoration of soul. And if there could be a way by which these two things, we are not losing heart and we are renewed every day, could come true for you, you'd want to know about it, I think. And therefore, two words in this text are of tremendous importance for you. The first one is the word therefore at the beginning of verse 16. And the second one is the word for at the beginning of verse 17. Those two words are awesomely important if you want to learn how not to lose heart and how to be renewed day by day. Now, I want to draw a picture for you in the air here. If I had prepared my sermon before the bulletin was printed, I would have printed it. But I'll have to draw it in the air. Picture a triangle here, okay? with a point at the top like this and a plank on the top of the point so that the two sides of the triangle support the plank. Written on the top of the plank is verse 16. We do not lose heart. We are being renewed day by day. And then these two sides here are two supports for it. And on this side over here is verses 7 through 15 culminating in, therefore, we do not lose heart. Whenever you see a therefore, it means something was just said that leads to and supports what I'm now saying, right? We all know that. That's the way we use the word therefore. Verses 7 through 15 are true, therefore, we do not lose heart. You got that? So this this triangle over here, this, this uh, angle supporting the plank of not losing heart is verses... 7 through 15. All right, now over here, this, this side of the triangle that supports the plank begins with four. We all know that. We do not lose heart for this is true and this is true and this is true and this is true. In other words, verses 17 and 18 are the support that upholds this not losing heart and being renewed every day. So if, if you want to know this morning how not to lose heart in your life, and how to be renewed day by day, you need to know these two supports. That is, what is it in verses 7 to 15 that leads to the therefore we do not lose heart? And what is it in verses 17 and 18 that begins with for we do not lose heart? Before I jump into those two and unpack them, let me just make one observation about verse 16 that we've passed over. Verse 16 is very sober, realistic about pain and suffering and affliction. And uh, we've passed over that part. Let me read it again. We do not lose heart, but though our outer nature, outer person, outer man, is decaying, wasting away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. In other words, Paul knew he was dying. He knew this body and this mind were decaying and wasting away. 
He knew that every investment in ministry took life away from him, pulled life out of him, and he would die someday. He knew that was true of you, too. And you should know that this morning. You're all dying, whatever age you are. You are being depleted. We are wasting away. There's no point in lying about it or deceiving ourselves. We're going to die. Every day brings us closer to the grave. Every act of energy is a depletion. And therefore, the question we're really asking now is not simply, how can I not lose heart? Or how can I be renewed on the inside day by day? The question we're really asking is, how can I prepare for suffering and affliction without losing heart? How can I own up to the fact that my life is ebbing away? That I am wasting away? How can I own up to that and still be renewed day by day on the inside so that there's joy and hope and resources for loving others while I fade away? That's the real question. And there are two planks now, two sides of the triangle, holding up this glorious affirmation. We do not lose heart, even though we are decaying, but we are being renewed day by day. So let's look at the two planks. The first one is verses 7 through 15. And there are four reasons in these verses for why Paul does not lose heart. Number one. His outer nature is decaying, yes, but even in these sufferings and afflictions and decayings, God's power and the life of God's Son are being manifested and glorified. Verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's just another way of saying we're weak, we're decaying on our outer person. Why? In order that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because in our sufferings and weaknesses, the power of Christ is magnified. And Paul loves it when he can be the means of the power of Christ being magnified. Verse 10 says the same thing, different words. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. There it is again, this decaying, wasting away. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in my body. Therefore, I do not lose heart. Because I love it when Christ can be magnified in my life. I love it when the life of Jesus is visible in my weakness and my emptiness and my decaying and my brokenness and my frustration. Look at verse 11, same thing. We who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Therefore, we do not lose heart, because I love it when Christ is manifest in my mortal flesh at whatever cost to me. So the first reason with three texts undergirding it, that he does not lose heart in spite of his wasting away is that in and through it, the power of God and the life of God's Son are glorified. Number two, 
even though his outer nature is wasting away, through this affliction and suffering, life is flowing from him into the church. Christians are being strengthened while he is being weakened. Verse 12. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Therefore, I do not lose heart, because what would I rather be in life than the means of life? What would you rather be than the means of other people's living by your dying? Can you think of anything greater? That's why he doesn't lose heart. The second reason is not only that God is glorified, but that other people get satisfied through his suffering. That's a good reason not to be discouraged. Number three. Well, let me read verse 15. I left out the verses. This is a great verse. All things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people, through Paul's sufferings, the grace spreading to more and more people may, may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Now, the reason I love that verse so much is because both truths, my first and my second reason for why Paul doesn't lose heart, are both brought together there. The first one is, it's all for your sakes that I'm suffering this. You're giving more and more thanks. You're getting more and more grace. And then he ends by saying, and God gets the glory. So the two first reasons for why Paul doesn't lose heart is grace is spreading to more people through my suffering and God is getting more glory through my suffering. And those are the two great heartbeats of my life, Paul says. So why should I be discouraged? Why should my heart give up? Number three, even though his outer nature is decaying in and through this suffering, God sustains him and does not let him be overcome. Verses 8 and 9. Magnificent verses. I was on the phone with the young woman in our church who is in such great distress right now and I was just outlining my sermon and this is what she fastened on most. She said, where are those verses again? We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Now, this is just like saying, each one of these pairs is like saying, yes, our outer nature is decaying, but no, we do not lose heart. That's really the point here. Yes, our outer nature is decaying, but no, we do not lose heart. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Because God sustains us. Sure, He allows these awful things to come into our lives. And sure, He has good purposes for them. But He will not let us be tested beyond what we are able. Number four. Paul's outer nature is fading away, but in and through these sufferings, he does not lose heart because he will be raised from the dead with the church and with Jesus. Verse 14. We know that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. Therefore, we do not lose heart because it's going to be all right in the end. Not even death can make the story have a bad ending. I'm going to live again, and not only will I live again, I'm going to live again with Jesus. And not only will I live again with Jesus, I'm going to live again with you. I'm going to live again with Viola Allen. Sanuva Strand, Roland Erickson, Jerry Halderston, maybe 
before I'm done this morning, Jack Katavi would enter the presence of the Lord. He's in the hospital with a fading, fading heart. And I'm going to live again with these people. Why should I lose heart? Here they are. The first side of the triangle, which is holding up the plank of verse 16, which says we do not lose heart, we're being renewed every day, are four things. I'm being renewed because God's power and the life of His Son are glorified in my suffering. I'm being renewed because life is flowing from me into the church. I'm being renewed because God sustains me and won't let me be overcome. I'm being renewed because I will rise from the dead. Therefore, 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 I do not lose heart. Now, let's look at the other side of the triangle. That's the first side. The other side of the triangle began in verse 17 with the word for. I do not lose heart and I'm being renewed every day for verses 17 and 18 are true. Now, what is it in verses 17 and 18? Again, four reasons. Number one, I do not lose heart, but I am being renewed because my affliction is momentary. You see that at the beginning of verse 17? For momentary light affliction. Now, momentary does not mean it lasts 60 seconds. It means it only lasts a lifetime, and that's all. When I said that on the phone last night, she laughed. With understanding, she laughed with understanding. It's only a lifetime that you have to suffer. Only a little, teeny, weeny, infinitesimal lifetime. The word in Greek means present. The sufferings are designed for this age and never again. Never again. For a million, 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 millennials of centuries of ages. Momentary. Momentary. Just a lifetime. That's all. You must suffer. Number two, the reason he's not downhearted and can be renewed every day is because these afflictions are light. For momentary light affliction. Verse 17 again. Now mark it, I did not say that about Paul. A comfortable, modern, convenienced, healthy, western pastor did not say that the afflictions are light. Paul said it. Now let me read you what he was referring to from chapter 11. I have been in far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. Beaten times without number. I mean, if we were beaten once, the world would never stop hearing about it. He was beaten times without number often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeyings in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers from false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of my concern for all the churches. 
And that he calls light. Why? Why? It's because he knows about weight. He knows about weight that's coming. Only one way can we call such sufferings light. And only one way if we see a weight of glory that is going to be so heavy in the scales that sufferings go up like feathers. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory to be revealed to us, he said in Romans 8, 18. So his second reason for not losing heart is that his afflictions, by comparison to what he's about to receive after this momentary suffering, are light. Third, he doesn't lose heart because his affliction is actually producing for him an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 17 again. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. What's coming to Paul in the age to come is not momentary but eternal. It's not light but weighty. It's not afflictions but glory. And now notice this. Notice the word produce or work or effect or whatever your version has. These afflictions that we endure are not merely a kind of disconnected prelude to glory. They effect glory. They produce glory. They work glory. Which means there is not one lost moment of patient pain in your life. Each moment of patiently endured pain in your life works something in the age to come, produces something in the age to come, effects a change in what you will experience in the age to come. We could preach a whole sermon on that and how it is that relative degrees of the experience of glory are being effected and determined right now by the way you handle your suffering. But that's what this text teaches, I believe. And therefore, every moment is significant. Every blow is significant. Every hour in the ocean is significant. Every minute in the hospital is significant. Every word of slander is precious. Finally, Paul does not lose heart, for he sets his mind on the unseen glory to come. He sets his mind. Verse 18, we look, there it is, the key word, we look, we look, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. 
You see, God, God might offer you this morning, as indeed He does offer you this morning, all the glory in the universe to help you not lose heart and to enable you to be renewed day by day. He might offer you all the glory imaginable in the universe, and if you never looked at it, it wouldn't have any effect on you. If you never looked at it, if you only looked at your pain, if you only looked at your relationships, if you only looked at your problems and you stew over them. I found myself this morning praying about some problems in my life, early this morning, and I just stopped halfway through. The Holy Spirit just kind of conked me on the head. And he said, don't you see that even though you're praying, you're wallowing? You remember your text? Would you just stop thinking about your problems? Would you start looking at the glory? Would you obey verse 18? Look to things that are unseen. You're going to preach seven points about it and stick this one on the end, and you're not doing it right now as you pray. So I just plead with you not to fall into that trap. We sometimes think that if, we, if we're praying about our problems, all is well. And all we're doing as we pray is mulling them over and getting angrier and angrier at the people we're praying about. That's not helpful. It's not what Paul did. Paul rode through the seas of danger, 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 without losing heart and being renewed day by day because he looked to the glory to the eternal things, to all these seven things I've listed before this eighth point. And so now, um, I just want to rehearse for you as we close God's invitation to you to enjoy His promises. This is an invitation now that God is holding out to you in this text. Here the, here's the triangle. Four truths. On uh, this side in verses 7 to 15 and, and four truths. Really, it's, it's three with a special one. On this side in verses 17 and 18. And what they're supporting is this plank. And I hope you just keep this in your mind all day. And on the plank it says, we do not lose heart. We are being renewed day by day. Here they are. Look, the power of God will be revealed in your weakness. Look, the life of Jesus will flow through you to other people. Look. God sustains you and won't let you be destroyed. Look, your afflictions are not the last word. You will rise from the dead. Look, your afflictions are momentary, only for a brief lifetime. Look, your afflictions are light compared with the eternal weight of glory. And look, every moment of suffering is producing, effecting, and working an eternal weight of glory. Look, focus, meditate, think on these things, believe them, and you will not lose heart. You will be renewed day by day. Now we're going to close. The prayer teams are here at the front for a few minutes between the services. The two things that came to my mind as I was praying about it this morning is this. Verse 13 says, so we believe and so we spoke. I believe some things. That's why I'm speaking this way this morning. Can you say what I've said this morning? Or are you not yet a believer? If you're not, maybe you need to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, which is a prayer. And these prayer teams would love to just join you in the second half and say, help their unbelief, help their unbelief, remove it, tear it down, get rid of it. And the other thing that came to my mind was, the discipline to meditate. A lot of people 
hear me say this. Look, meditate, focus. And when you walk out of here on the way home, in the car, you're going to murmur about your problems. And you need prayer that God would give you the gift of focus on glory. Let's pray. Lord, I sure need that. I needed it this morning at 5 o'clock. I need it right now. I'll need it this afternoon. I'll need it every day for the rest of my life to be renewed. And I pray for the gift for myself and every person in this room of focus, of looking, not to the things that are seen that get us so down, but to the unseen things that are so unshakably real and glorious. Lord, help us, I pray. May we be that way as a church. In Jesus' name.